Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Chiltow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today are three guests. We have Kirsten Liston coming from Colorado. She's a principal and founder of Rethink Compliance. Coming to us from West Virginia is Christy Granhart, CEO of Spark Compliance Consulting. And joining us from New Jersey is Joe Murphy, Senior Advisor, a Compliance Strategist. We're going to be talking today with them about starting your own business, of which all three of them did and have become integral players in the world of compliance and ethics. So first, Joe, uh, Kirsten, and Kirsty, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, Adam. It's my pleasure. Um, now, a lot of people think about setting up their own firm when's the right time in the career to consider going out on your own? Obviously, you want to avoid doing so too early or too late. Um, Joe, why don't we start with you? Okay, sure, Adam. Um, well, I had been in-house in a large corporation for quite some time, 20 years. And before that, I spent a few years in a law firm. And then, of course, I had my, my time in law school. Um, so you could say I was relatively later in my career. But I would say the guiding point on when to do this is when you know that you're going to be able to add value. Now, I would say when you decide to make that leap, um, that's not when you start thinking about it. So for me, in my career, I spent a lot of time really developing the field of compliance and ethics, doing networking, doing things that ultimately prepared me to do this. So I would say it's not necessary to do it right out in the start or in the beginning. There can be real value in working for a period of time and developing your network and developing your expertise. Now, Christy, you did it a lot sooner than Joe did, right? Yeah, I did. Um, I uh, graduated law school in 2008 and started my company in 20, late 2015, early 2016. So that's about eight years um, from in-house and private practice. Um, I think that the most important thing is to really have developed uh, a unique skill set or to develop, to develop your skill set to the point where you are not only confident that you can give great advice, um, but that if you're going into consulting, that you have enough gravitas from your experience that the very senior people that will need to hire you feel confident in your skills and your background. So I don't think it necessarily has to do with how much time, but I do think you need to develop uh, enough of a reputation and enough confidence in your abilities that you can translate that into, frankly, sales. Yeah, which is often the hardest part for people. I mean, compliance professionals, even the best, are experts at compliance. They're not experts at marketing themselves. And over and over again, that ends up being a challenge for people. Now, when you head out, there are many avenues, including consulting or even creating a product. You three have covered the spectrum. Um, what should people think about before being a consultant? Uh, Joe? Well, Adam, I think there's a lot of work to do <clears throat> and a lot to think about. And looking back on my, my own background, one of the things I did was making sure my financial house was in order as much as possible. Um, so I did a lot of saving. I followed the principle of saving money before I could get my hands on it, so it was deducted and put aside. Um, also, networking, writing, uh, having the opportunity to do speaking, so you know the market, um, you've established yourself, you have contacts, so you're not going out there cold. Um, for me, another very important point in the networking was meeting people who eventually could become my partners. Um, I've made clear to people that personally, I'm an introvert. I'm not the kind of 
um, outspoken party type of person. Uh, but I found it was still possible to pursue being a consultant and very much so through finding the right partners. So when I went out into consulting, I had somebody that I was going to work with who I felt comfortable with. So while you're in-house, that's something to think about. It's who do you see out there who you think would be a good match, even somebody who's inside but has complementary skills for your capabilities. Christy, what about you? I think it's really important to think about how you're going to stand out. Um, obviously, you know, keeping your network strong is critical. Uh, when I started, two-thirds of my initial um, clients were people that I'd known in the compliance world that I considered friends or who I'd done speaking with, and that gave me the opportunity to really start strong in the business. But I think, you know, coming out and saying I'm a consultant is, is really not as strong as saying what makes you special, what do you specialize in, are there industries, are there areas, are there regions of the world? Um, so I think that really considering that's important. Um, I When I started right before I started my company, I went through a process with Virgin Startup in the UK where they made us basically do a Shark Tank style pitch and we had to do surveys to understand our market and what people weren't getting and weren't being served by uh, the, the consultants that already existed or the companies that I'd be competing with. And I think that that kind of market research, whether formal or informal, is pretty critical to show you where there may be a gap that you can fill. And it's always much easier to fill a gap than it is to take on a well-established uh, competitor. Now, the other route is to go on the product side, is create a solution for the marketplace. Um, both you, Joe, and uh, Kirsten went that route. Now, Kirsten, what should people consider when thinking about selling a solution such as compliance training? Yeah, I feel like I'm very qualified to answer this because I just lived it. Um, it's funny, the, the easiest thing you can launch a business with is consulting because it doesn't cost anything except your time. Uh, and then sometimes the, people, the, the time of the people who are joining you and you can start bringing money in the door. But the hardest thing to scale is consulting because um, people can work to a certain point and then it's hard to scale yourself. Um, so the best reason to launch a product like compliance training is to take you know, your, your expertise and your knowledge and your ability and, and to build a business that can sell something beyond just your time. Um, but the number one thing to think about is how are you going to pay for it? Uh, making online courses costs money. You need writers, you need developers, you need a whole bunch of skill sets that aren't necessarily something just one person sitting in their um, you know, office can bring to the table. So how are you going to pay for it? What's your kind of uh, runway? What's your plan? And then two more things, you know, what's your positioning? In my experience, I think you want to offer something to the market that is new and feels fresh. To your point, Adam, about going up against an established competitor, you want to feel different. You you want to feel like there's something you're bringing that someone isn't, um, but yet you don't want it to be so new that people don't yet have the budget for it. It's, it's something they're not planning on. Then um, you want to make sure you're adding value. Uh, it's it's a great thing if you can enter a market where people know this thing and they're willing to pay for it, but they've even they're they're either looking for something new or they've gotten tired with the existing uh, solution. So those are some things to think about. 
And that's obviously quite a lot to think about because, you know, as you said, it's a much more expensive proposition going down that road. Let me go back to something we touched on earlier, which was the challenges of marketing yourself, uh, no matter which route you go. I mean, as I said, people who enter this from a compliance job are compliance people. They're not marketers. They're not salespeople. And having your own business requires those skills. It's not like people are going to be banging down your doors to get you to work for them. What should you do to help build demand for your services, Christy? I mean, this has been the cornerstone of Spark Compliance's success, I think, is really focusing on on marketing and on content marketing in particular. So I started my business the same week that How to Be a Wildly Effective Compliance Officer came out, and that was absolutely on purpose. We had a quick launch party. We did the whole thing to try to get buzz for the new company. And um, since then, we've been you know, recording videos and we've been putting out blogs every week. And it is exhausting <laughs> at times. It really is. But it keeps me in front of people. It keeps our company in front of people on a regular basis. And as I've grown my email list, which I can't um, tell you how important that is, it's so important. And I think that it's something people ignore that if you start to build that presence, then essentially it, it compounds over time. So uh, for us, I know, and, and I know Kirsten has done a lot of this as well, the content marketing, showing people your skills, giving away essentially free information can really help them to get familiar with you and make them excited about what it is you can do to help them. Kirsten, since she mentioned you, do you have anything to add? I do, yeah. Like Christy, we found that content marketing really works. And when you think about who we're selling to, it makes sense. We're not selling widgets, we're selling solutions. Um, our buyers are smart people who need things to work <laughs> and they wanna make sure that you're gonna add value before they give you a lot of time. Um, and so content marketing lets people start to see your qualifications, your knowledge, your experience, your expertise. And so it's, it's really smart to give a lot of that away uh, because it builds trust with your audience, maybe before they've even ever met you in person. And let me just say for anyone out there listening who wants to follow this advice, take advantage of all of the SCCE and HCCA publications and avenues, the magazines, compliance, compliance and ethics professional, ethicos if it's more ethical excuse me, if it's more ethics focused, uh, the blog itself here for shorter pieces and then podcasts. And there's contact information on the blog if you're interested and want to write me. Now, let's close with a bit of a lightning round. Um, can each of you say something that as you started out, you're glad you did and sorry you did or didn't do? Uh, Joe, why don't we start with you? Sure, Adam. First, in terms of what I'm glad that I did, and there's quite a bit on that list, but particularly the networking, writing, speaking, um, communicating with so many people, and particularly finding the right partners. And of course, with respect to things that I didn't do that I wish I had done, I wish I had developed a really robust contact management system. Uh, that would have been very useful in, uh, in all the marketing and activity that I did. Kirsten, what about you? Great. Well, to Joe's point about partners and finding the right partners, um, I'm incredibly glad that in 2017, when Rethink started to take off, I had the foresight to scale by adding a leadership team instead of adding a bunch of junior people I would have had to manage. I am I love the people I work with. I'm, I'm thrilled every day that there are super smart and capable people in the business who are handling things. Um, so for me, that was, I can't even believe I made that decision. It was a very good one. Um, 
on, on being sorry for something I didn't do, the, the lesson I've really learned is to take action swiftly when something isn't working, whether it's a, a team member, whether it's um, a, you know, a contractor you've hired or a service professional like a lawyer or an accountant, you usually know pretty early on if something isn't working. Um, and I've learned over time to just pull the plug on things rather than like sticking in there trying to make it work because it almost never does. Good advice. Now, uh, Christy, let's finish with you. I am glad that there was such an immediate focus in our business on marketing and creating something um, that's special, that's unique, um, and that, that that translated into things like being able to speak at keynotes and doing those types of activities that really got us um, out there quickly and on the map. Um, in terms of things that I uh, didn't know or I'm sorry about, um, I really, really, really didn't understand how cash flow, finance, record keeping, taxes, working with accountants, I didn't understand the mechanics of that part of the business. And, and it took me a good six to eight months to get a handle on it. I think I wish I had a plan better and understood those parts sooner. Well, and the good thing about that is, you know, it, it's advice now that others have, and it is goes to sort of the dilemma many people face when they go out on their own is it's something else they're just not used to having to handle and part of the learning curve. Well, Joe, Kirsten, uh, Christy, I want to thank all three of you for sharing your very diverse perspectives here uh, as to how to go about creating your own enterprise once you leave sort of the mothership of in-house compliance. Uh, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen and to wish you good luck if you decide to pursue your own endeavor. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>